Hello, and thanks for listening to Captivate Ed, a podcast dedicated to equipping education leaders like you with strategic storytelling solutions that address the ever-changing needs of your school and district. I'm your host, Jake Sturgis, founder of Captivate Media and Consulting, a team dedicated to using story to positively impact education. And this podcast is just that, lifting up your stories and learning from each other. Thanks for being here. My guest today is Wanzer. She's a sophomore at White Bear Lake Area Schools. Wanzer, thanks so much for joining us today. Hello, I'm so glad to be here with you as well. We interviewed you back in 2020 for a project that we were doing for your school district. And I personally really appreciated your perspectives and how you're able to really help adults better understand some of the inequities that are currently in our education system. So I'm really glad that you're able to join us today. And I think first, just for our listeners, if you can kind of tell us a little little about you and your story. I'm so glad to be here once more. Thank you so much for inviting me onto this podcast. I feel like it's really an important thing as to what you are doing. It's impacting a lot of people. And I'm so glad that, you know, you have gone beyond yourself to reach out for people like me to explain, you know, you know, how we feel about it from our perspective. And to give a little backstory about who I am, I am the second child out of four siblings and I am the middle child when it comes to three girls. So already there's a lot of stuff going on in the growing up process, being left behind and stuff like that. But, you know, finally I've managed my way into schooling. Not every school is sunshine, rainbows, and cupcakes, but, you know, there are flaws. And I think my first fly experienced at White Bear was when I was, you know, I came to school with a new hairdo and I was so excited. And one of my teachers at the time I was in fifth grade, she said oh is that your real hair and I was like yes that is my real hair I found it kind of funny that she was asking me about that when we're in the middle of a big project so I was like yeah that's my hair and she's like so if I email your mom she's gonna say that's your real hair and I was like yes and I think I was kind of like astounded by the fact that she brought it to emailing my mom if that was my real hair and I felt like I've only heard teachers talk about emailing parents if it's a problem or a consequence and that was just really weird so I didn't know what she was asking me that for I told my mom when I got back home and she was like oh that's funny and she did have a talk with the teacher and I was just just astounded like why was she asking that question my fellow you know counterparts she doesn't ask them up to now as a sophomore in high school I haven't faced too much but I'd say my community has. So it has changed over time for me, what I can see as an individualistic thing to a whole grouping thing. Last year as a freshman, there were negative comments and rude things that transpired between a student and I think another student. It was racist comments that were, you know, discussed over Instagram to one student to another and it was degrading African Americans and saying all types of terrible terrible things and when people got to know about it it was terrible there was walkouts people were on the news people were in newspapers it was like my school and this happening it was so surreal so I didn't know what to feel but I felt like I needed to do something that Wanzer would do you know you know it's not individualistic but it can be individualistic in terms of impact so this is all happening freshman year Later in May when I was a freshman, 
I had heard about this thing on the announcements talking about the award um, night speakers. Like, if you want to be an award night speaker. And I was like, I do. I do want to be an award night speaker. And that day, I prepared a speech that I simply wanted to touch on all the things we went through leading up to this awards night. And how we are more than just, you know, students in a building. We are people of a new generation preparing ourselves to impact the society that we're kind of making and changing for ourselves. And I talked that night about the incident that happened and how it impacted all of us and how the school is working on things to make that situation not happen again. I think I remember giving the analogy of how when you have places in the world that have wildfire issues, once they go through it, they're like, okay, let's try to do something next time that will help us prevent this or at least get safety from it. Places that have issue with water, like hurricanes and stuff like that, they are prepared for it because they know it's bound to happen. Now, when you think of that in a school perspective, if you know that you have a student body of predominantly all white people and then you have a couple of minority students, you know that there's something bound to happen but you have to be prepared for it. And this incident that I talked about that happened in my freshman year is not the first incident that White Bear Lake has had. So it makes me think, if we have continuous issues of the same racist aspect, I'm wondering if the environment of the school was ever made for minorities. That's something I considered and talked about that night because everybody needs to know about it. And after I got a lot of feedback and a lot of constructive criticism as to what the school can do, I think the school went under deep training as far as curriculum change and a lot of new classes that revolved around different aspects. And I love it. So I want to hear from you just in terms of your experience with the Voices Framework. Because I'm guessing you walked in really not knowing what to expect as a student. Can you share just a little bit about uh, about that experience and if you saw any changes in in staff based on the video that was created? When I did the work with Voice Framework, I was like, okay, they're just going to interview me and that's going to be sent in. But they asked really good questions, which allowed the students to get deep in what they wanted to say. And after I was done talking and saying what I needed to say to the teachers in an appreciative way, I got a lot of emails like, oh my gosh, it's so brave of you to say that. Next thing I know, when I come to school as a sophomore, the assistant principal used to be, you know, a different person. Now, this assistant teacher is a person of color. And that's a first. And now there's like different discipline officers, there's different resources, there are different perspectives. Like I'm on the high school strategic planning team and I think on another team that, you know, helps the school try to be better because now they've looked at it and said, we, we need to do better. We can't, we have to stop procrastinating because we see that it's making the, the minorities feel a certain way and it's not, it's not going good. I think I see a lot of change because the school is trying to reach out to the students and not the staff because the student staff have totally different perspectives and the students are the ones who feel it. So I think they're being more careful with their resources in terms of how they want to better the school. So I see a lot. Why do you think it's important for school systems to include students in a meaningful way to change 
things, to change policies, to take a look at strategic planning. Talk to me a little bit about, I guess, your hopes and dreams with with students and student voice, because I think it's become a buzzword for some districts where it's it's sort of window dressing, where they're just saying, well, yeah, like we, we have student voice. But then there's there are school districts where there is a meaningful way for students to give feedback and for adults then to listen and take action. I think it's important because, as I stated, the student body, not the staff body, the student body. And I feel like it's important that if you have a group of educators in here to teach students of a generation, this goes way beyond schooling, but you know, to impact the society that they live in, they need to be interactive with what's going on in their education or what's the meaning of education. We need to be interactive. Because if we're not active in our education, then we're kind of just going to school, getting an education, going in the society without knowing how to impact our society. We need to have some type of experience with impact, and that should start in education and allowing the students to be able to impact their educational environment. We need to be heard because that is our way as students now to impact our school and I feel like it's really important to incorporate us in a lot of you know curriculum changing decisions because we are typically kind of the people who run it yeah you're the most impacted by the decisions but usually the least consulted involved <laughs> yeah <laughs> in terms of putting things putting ideas together Can you share a little bit, because I remember specifically from your interview, you talked a lot about expectations that teachers have and how they may be different, especially for students who are black and brown. And it's not so much the environment, but it's the mentality that teachers have for certain students. Can you share a little bit on just your perspective of some of those things that you feel like teachers may be bringing into the classroom that are that are not helpful? I talked about that because I felt like that was a big pressure. People didn't expect, expect me to, you know, be involved or focused as I was. Like, they're like, you're really smart, but not like they're saying that in a complimentary way. It's almost like a questionable statement. And I was like, well, why is it, why is it questionable? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, our skin color has nothing to do with our mental capacity. You know, if you are a person, a human being, you're capable of learning. You have the capability to learn and accumulate knowledge. When I said it's not the environment, but the mentality, your mentality makes the environment. If we're in an environment of a lovely place, like say we're in a you know field full of daisies and it's so wonderful and you're running through and it's sun shining if you have a mentality say of a certain experience or what you know can happen in daisy fields say you're a person that thinks oh bad things happen here that covers your mentality and now when you go into that daisy field environment you bring in your mentality you know feeling so because i think it's a bad place i'm not going to have a fun time here I'm going to be very careful. I'm going to be very attentive to what's going around. I'm not going to have fun because my mentality is forming how I feel about that certain environment. And I feel like a lot of people, a lot of educators, based on my experience and by people underestimating certain abilities that 
people of color have when it comes to education. They're like, oh, you want to do this? Are you sure you want to take that advanced class? Oh, I mean, it's a little bit, maybe just stay on the calm side. Then you'd see to my other counterparts, go for it. Do what you need to do. I'm just like, okay, well, I could use that encouragement as well because I do have the capability to learn, to operate, to function, to collaborate, to do my studies just as well as my fellow counterpart can. And I feel like that encouragement needs to be, you know, experienced by every student. It doesn't matter regardless if you have a learning disability, whatever it is, you should be encouraged just as your fellow counterparts are. And so encouragement should be key in um, the mentality of our educators, because if we have a mentality from our educators that not everybody's on the same level, so not everybody, you know, should experience the same things, then you're going to start seeing problems. And because I talked about our generation, our generation is not a generation to let things go. We will catch you and we will tell you, hey, that is not something I like. So that's personally how I feel about it. What advice would you have for educators in terms of changing mindsets and changing perceptions when you when they walk into a classroom? Maybe they unintentionally have different expectations. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's relationships, but I, I'd like to hear from you in terms of some ideas that you have in terms of ways that teachers can, can build stronger relationships and to be able to get out of that trap maybe of, 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 of looking at certain student students and having automatically just having lower expectations. When I talk about encouragement, the topic of mentality and how educators need to be able to facilitate encouragement properly, it's very contextual. So say like you have a contest and a class is participating and we have to choose a leader. We're going to choose the best person that we see fit. So regardless of anything, they're going to do it because they have proven they can do it. We have seen their ability and within their power to do something. So if I've shown you that I'm not ready, if I've shown you that I don't have the capability of advancing onto a certain, you know, whatever it could be, then that's within your reason of underestimating or trying to let me know that I should take it easy. But if I have proven to you that I can do something and you still want to hold me back, that's the mentality that needs to be, you know, taken with the Voices Framework, I know you had a chance to see and hear from other students who participated. Talk to me about that experience a little bit. I mean, were you surprised by any stories that you heard from other students? And did you find any similarities in some of their experiences that you maybe had never heard of before, but you perhaps had similar experiences as they were describing? I heard one story, like the little girl was saying how at recess, this is like recess, elementary students and this has been a mistake of her doing something and the person called the patrol and the patrol's like what happened here what's the situation and she got in trouble even though she didn't do anything and the person who did start the trouble just got let go free and it was you know although it's minor anything has bias any decision any thought any mentality has a bias and so you know you kind of have to think of things like that, like what's the reason? What's what's the motive behind making that decision? I just feel like you know, in elementary school, you have you shouldn't have to worry about oh well, maybe I should not do this because then I'll get in trouble, even though I'm not the person starting trouble. I'm curious with some of the questions that we asked. Had anybody ever asked you that or spent the time to listen to you 
as a student before that experience that you had with the Voices Framework? No. Nope. That never happened where an educator would want to sit down and talk to students about how you feel. It's only when stuff like the thing that I experienced in freshman year with the derogatory terms being thrown to, you know, African-Americans over the Instagram chat, that's when the school kind of creates an environment of, you know, I feel remorse for you. We, we shouldn't wait for something to happen before we create an environment that is like, okay, let's come in, let's be peaceful, let's reconcile everything and try to make things better. It should be like that 24-7 if we're a school with school spirit for everybody. That's never been discussed. It's only when something happens or when something drastic happens within the school or either in society, such as George Floyd, that things get discussed or things get, you know, addressed in class and stuff like that. But other than that, no one has asked. We really work with school leaders to make sure that, okay, if, if, if we're doing this, if, you, if you're going to spend the money and you're going to spend, we're going to spend the time talking to students, uh, something's got to happen from this. And it can't just be, we interview the students, we create a, we create a video, you play the video for staff and small groups and talk about it and then not do anything about it because that's, that's where trust is lost. Um, but it's also, as I'm hearing from you, where trust can be gained. And when you do feel heard, and as you've talked about, you've seen changes in your school, hopefully because of, partly because of the Voices Framework and hearing from students, that's a trust builder. And that's going to help motivate more students like you to speak up, to participate, and to make it, I'm guessing, more engaging and that to create an environment at school where you want to come like you want to be there you want you want to be a student and it's not a place like oh my gosh i've got to go back to school this is so terrible i don't get i don't feel seen i don't feel listened to but when that school climate and culture can change and it's changed so much that like as a student you feel that that's pretty impressive that's exactly the spectrum of what's going on you've got a harvard sweatshirt on can you can you talk a little bit just about your hopes and dreams and like where do you see yourself after after high school? I really do want to go to an Ivy League school, but my options are open because not everything you want in life is what you get and you have to take it as it is and that's what it is. That's life, that's reality. But I really, really do want to go to Harvard. It's been a dream I've had since middle school, just learning about it and how Ivy League schools are, you know, big things and I was like, for me, it's never been the type of school it is. It's the challenge. And, you know, since then, it's not always about what I want to do. What am I doing to get up to that point? So it's not just a wish and hope and it'll come overnight. Like, it's something that you have to mutually get to. And I remember my dad one day, he's like, what are you doing to get to the school? And I was like, what am I doing to get to the school? <laughs> and I, I was like, let me email someone from Harvard, you know, of pertaining to the major. I want to I want to be a dietitian nutritionist because I noticed that um, a lot of health issues we struggle with here in America. And it's like the main thing we're dying from. So I was like, we need to get this together. So I was like, maybe if I email someone from like the health department at Harvard, it'd be really good. And so I emailed the executive director of the public health, public health chan school, 
at Harvard. And I was like, yeah, maybe they'll answer, maybe they won't. And I'll take that as it is. I just want to try something. And she emailed me back. So I was like, wow, that is so cool. And now we're friends, like we're besties. And we talk all the time. And I feel like this is the place I want to go to to help change the world. If it's not this place, then maybe another Ivy League. Or maybe just right here, University of Minnesota. Whatever it is God has for me, I'd go to as long as I'm making my public health slash food insecurity impact that I want in life. So this podcast, there's gonna there's lots of superintendents, principals, teaching and learning directors, people who make decisions in schools. Why would you tell them from a student perspective that the voices framework is something that they should strongly consider? I tell them that the voices framework is something that they should consider if they want to see change in their school. If they see something lacking and they see that it's not working with common staff get-togethers or, you know, talks. If you continue to do something, a strategy that, you know, was implemented, they see is not working, and you continue to do it, you're building more blocks for you. Just You're making the brick wall more tough to get through. It's now time for you to get the students involved, for them to get active with their education and what could, you know, help them out and what could help the environment for them and not only for where they're going, but for the rest of their educational pursuits, this is a time to, you know, kind of revive the environment of, you know, your school. If you see something is lacking, because it's, 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 if something is lacking, you will know. It's either going to be shown in the staff, in, in the students, or the student behavior. Like, what is the student body doing right now? Like, are there more fights than they're used to? Are there more disagreements? It's more like, attitude changes. Something is lacking. That means something is wrong. And it might not necessarily be the problem that the school is, you know, you know, doing or something like that. It might be something deeper. So let's get to the students. Let's figure it out. Let's not stay in the clouds and wonder, well, let's come around. No, let's get to it now before those whispers from the students become statements of what your school is. And you don't want that. Love it. Uh, Wanzer, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate this. And this is a great way for us to end our six episode podcast series. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more, head over to our website at captivatemedia.us where you can join our email list as well as check out samples of our work in action. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jake Sturgis. Thanks again, and I hope to see you next time.